Well, I want you to check. Oh, there we go. I want you to take a moment and think back to New Year's Eve 2019, a day that in many ways feels like it was a lifetime ago. What were you doing that night? Who were you with? What were you feeling and what were you expecting going into 2020? You know, last year's New Year's Eve was super low-key for me and Brooke. Typically in the past, we would go out to, to Tampa to watch fireworks, or we'd have a party at our house and have a bunch of friends over. Uh, but this time last year, Brooke was seven months pregnant, and the uh, thought, the idea of being out late and driving and dealing with all of that really had no appeal to us. Uh, so we decided we're just going to kind of take it easy. We went and hung out at her parents' house just with her mom and dad, and we're sitting there watching Ryan Seacrest do his thing, and I remember the, the ball is dropping, and I'm fighting to, to just keep my eyes open. It, it, it gets down to, to 12 o'clock. I get off the couch, kind of stumble into the guest room, fall asleep by 12.05. Like, it was the most uneventful New Year's Eve of my life. But we were so excited about 2020. Because we were just a few weeks away from our baby girl being born and we could not wait to be parents. And we knew that like this year was going to change our lives forever. That this year was going to be unlike anything we had ever expected or ever uh, experienced before in our lives. But we didn't realize how different that this year was gonna be. You know, we didn't plan on having to survive a toilet paper shortage. I mean, how many of you are still kind of, you know, you're, you're low on inventory at home? When you go to Target, you go to Walmart, it's so difficult to, to, to find stuff. You know, we never expected that we would be watching church online for several weeks. We never expected our trips and our plans to be canceled and postponed. This year was something we could have never imagined. Now, in many ways, this has been, been a good year for our family. Like God has blessed us and been so good to us, but also in many ways, it's been, been a challenging year. It's been a difficult year. It's been a frustrating year at times. And my guess is that the same is true for you. As you look back on 2020, there's been some, some positive moments, some highlights, some things that you can look back on and, and really celebrate. But I'm sure there's also been many things that have been challenging and frustrating, things that you hope that you never have to deal with again. But now as we wrap up 2020, as we prepare to, to head into 2021, I think we all have a, a level of expectation for this upcoming year. We have expectations for what this year is going to bring. Certainly there, there's things that we're still not sure about, but, but we have some plans that we hope will actually happen. Plans for our family, maybe plans to, to travel. We have goals that we hope to accomplish at school or at work. We have projects around the house that we want to complete. And we have hopes that, that next year will be different and better than this year. We have expectations. We have hopes for this upcoming year. But here's what I wonder. What are you hoping for in 2021 when it comes to your spiritual life? when it comes to your relationship with Jesus? Like, do you have expectations for it? Do you have goals? Do you have things that you're hoping for? And do you have a plan for how these things are going to happen? You see, if we aren't careful, I think we can become guilty of living what I'm gonna call an unplanned spiritual life. 
an unplanned spiritual life, a spiritual life without a whole lot of direction and without a whole lot of intentionality. You know, most of us who are in this room, we desire a stronger, more committed faith. Most of us in here, we want a deeper relationship with God. Most of us in here, we want to make a a greater impact for the kingdom. But so often, we lack any kind of plan for how these things are actually going to happen. When it comes to our spiritual life, sometimes we just act like these things are going to happen to us or happen for us. That we're just going to wake up one day and magically have this greater desire to follow Jesus. Or that we're going to wake up one day with this deeper understanding of Scripture. Or we're going to wake up one day with a a more meaningful prayer life. That these things are just going to happen for us. But that's not typically how it works. We don't typically grow and mature and progress in our faith without direction and without intentionality. Which is why I think it's crucial, why I think it's imperative that each of us have a plan for our spiritual life. That we have a plan for how we're gonna grow, for how we're gonna mature, for how we're gonna progress in our faith. And fortunately for us, in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul provides this framework for a plan. And this plan that he offers for spiritual growth, it kind of centers around what I've broken down into three questions. And these are gonna be on the screen behind me. The questions are are, are these. Where do I wanna be? Where am I currently? And how am I going to get there? Where do I wanna be? What's the goal? What's the destination? What are we moving towards? Where am I currently? Where am I starting at? And how am I gonna get there? How am I gonna get from where I currently am to where I wanna be? And in Philippians chapter three, Paul, he kind of unveils this plan for spiritual growth in our life, a plan for us to move forward and progress. And in chapter three, verse 10, he writes this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Here in these opening verses, Paul is answering this first question of where do I want to be? What's the goal? What are we moving towards? And Paul says that for us as believers, as Jesus followers, the goal is to know Christ. This is what we're shooting for. This is what we're aiming at. But what does Paul mean when he says, I want to know Christ? Like, what is this knowledge that we are working towards that that we're aiming for? You see, knowing Christ isn't simply an intellectual knowledge. It's not simply knowing things about him. It's not just knowing that Jesus was born, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus rose from the dead. It's not a facts-based knowledge where we just know things about him. What Paul is talking about here, knowing Christ is an experience-based knowledge. It's a knowledge that comes from experiencing a relationship with Jesus. There's a closeness. There's a connection. It's personal. It's real. It's not just intellectual. Here's how I kind of like to think about it. I've known about my wife, Brooke, for nearly my entire life. 
We went to the same school all the way back in, in kindergarten. We both went to the academy here, grew up, went from kindergarten through eighth grade here, went to Newsom High School together. Like I've known about Brooke nearly my entire life. And growing up, I knew who she was. I knew who her parents were. I knew her last name was Allen. I knew she played volleyball. I knew who she hung out with. Like I knew a lot of things about Brooke, but I didn't really know her. There was no friendship. There was no personal kind of relationship. I simply knew things about her. But all that changed at the end of our sophomore year of high school. We were at this party together on, on a Friday night. It was a church party, meaning pizza and a PG movie. And uh, we're hanging out on my friend's back patio. And I'm sitting in the, I, I remember so vividly, I'm sitting in this, this camping chair and I've got my pizza in my lap. And I'm my feet propped up on this, this footstool. And I see Brooke going through the, the, through the line to get pizza. She gets her pizza, she's got it on her plate, and she's looking around on the back patio for somewhere to sit. But all the, the seats are filled. And I'm looking at her, and all of a sudden, this, this light bulb goes on. And for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm looking at her, and I realize, I'm like, man, this girl's really cute. I'm like, how have I never realized this before? I've known her since we were six years old. All of a sudden, like I'm seeing clearly, this girl's cute. I need to get to know this girl. So of course, like a true gentleman, I called Brooke over and I offered her the footstool that I was using and told her, hey, you can, you can have a seat here. And we start, start talking and we start hanging out that night. And let me tell you, it was game over from there. It, it, it was all over. That was who I was gonna be with for the rest of my life. But you see, that was the night when I finally came to know Brooke. And that's because that was the night we began to form a friendship. We began to form a relationship. I no longer simply knew things about Brooke. Now I knew her personally. And you see, this is what Paul is encouraging us to aim for as believers. He says we are to know Christ. We are to experience this, 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 this relationship with him. We are to connect with him on a personal level. And he says that we come to know Jesus, we connect with Jesus around two different things. He says we connect with Jesus, we come to know Jesus around the resurrection and around his death. We come to know Jesus through the resurrection and through his death. What, what is Paul talking about here? Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, it brought new life. And Paul's saying, look, I don't simply want to know that Jesus rose from the dead. Like, it's great for me to know that, but it's not just enough for me to know that. He says, I want to experience the power of the resurrection in my own life. I want to experience this new life that's found in and through Jesus. I want it to be real for me. I want it to be personal. I don't want it to just be head knowledge for me. And then he says, I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. Paul's saying, I, I don't wanna just know that, that Jesus died on the cross. No, I want to empty myself just like Jesus emptied himself for me. 
I want to lay down my life. I want to lose my life so I can find this life in Jesus. I want to share in these things with him. I want to participate in these things. I want it to be personal. I want it to be real. It's not just head knowledge for me. See, Paul, he's laying out the goal for us as believers. He's laying out the destination to know Christ, to experience this relationship with him, to connect with him on this personal level through the resurrection, through his death, to share in these things. This is where we want to be. This is where we're moving. This is what we're aiming towards. But then Paul, he kind of changes directions. And he says this in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Here, Paul is answering the second question. Where am I currently? Where am I currently? He says, I know where I need to be. I know what the goal is, but I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. I haven't already obtained it. I haven't reached the finish line. I haven't reached the goal. And I don't know about you, but I find this incredibly encouraging because even Paul, arguably the the most impactful Christian of all time, still had work to do. He still had shortcomings. He still had weaknesses. He still had areas that he needed to grow. So I just wonder this morning, where are you currently in your faith journey? Where are you currently in your faith journey? You know, answering this question, it requires a a level of humility and it requires a lot of self-awareness because you have to take an honest look at your life. You have to pay attention to what's going on internally and inside your heart. You have to pay attention to to your thought life. You have to pay attention to to the motivations behind your actions. You have to pay attention to what's going on internally. You have to take an honest look at yourself, an honest look at your faith. And then you have to ask yourself some tough questions. Questions like this. What areas do I need to grow in my faith? Like, where where do I need to see some growth? Where am I falling short? Where am I not meeting the the standard? You know, what are are the blind spots in my spiritual life? What are those things that I've kind of, you know, turned turned my eye to, not really paid attention, but they're they're causing some issues? You know, what are some issues that, that I need to address in my life that I need to deal with, that I need to walk through and process? And look, if you're having a hard time answering these questions, I'm sure your family members can help you point out several of your issues. They would be more than happy to to do that for you. But these really are such important questions because I don't think we can truly make progress until we're honest about where we currently are. Until we really identify, you know, where do I need to grow? Where am I falling short? Where am I currently? And here's the thing. Each and every one of us in this room, we're gonna have a different answer to this question. You know, the destination, the goal to know Christ, that's the same for for all of us. But all of us are starting our faith journey at different places. 
And all of us are at a different place in our faith journey. You know, some of us in here, we've been following Jesus for years. Some of you, you've been following Jesus for decades. Like you placed your faith in Jesus at six, seven years old, and you've been following him your entire life. For some of you in here, you're new to, the, to your faith journey. Just in the past months or in the past year, you placed your faith in Jesus. This is new for you. Maybe for some of you, you're returning to faith for the first time in a long time. You grew up in church, you grew up believing, and you kind of strayed away, and you're, you're finding your way back for the first time in a while. Maybe for some of you, you're still trying to process this whole faith thing. You're not really sure what you think about it. You're not really sure what you believe. But here's what I love about our church. Our church is full of people in different places in their faith journey. And regardless of where you are in your faith, whether you've been following Jesus for decades, a couple of months, or you haven't made that decision yet, we simply as a church want to help you take that next step, whatever that step may be for you. We want to help you to, to know Jesus, to experience this relationship with him. Paul tells us this is the goal, this is the destination to know Christ. And then Paul takes an honest look at him, himself. He says, this is where I am currently. I have room to grow, I have room to improve. I'm not there yet. And then he finishes by saying this. He says, but one thing I do. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul is answering this final question. How am I going to get there? How am I going to get from where I currently am to where I want to be? How am I gonna reach the goal? How am I gonna reach this finish line? And Paul, he uses this, this analogy of an athletic competition. And he says that in a race, we run to compete. We run to win. He says, this isn't encouraging sports. Like we're not just there to, to participate. No, we actually are running to win the race. And he says that if you want to win the race, if you want to win first place, you can't be distracted by what's going on around you. You can't be busy looking over your shoulder, worried about the other competitors. You can't be distracted by what's going on to your left or to your right or behind you. He says you have to forget what's behind you. And then he says you have to be completely locked in on the finish line. Your focus has to be undivided. You have to be locked in on the goal. And he says, you have to strain forward. You have to endure, you have to persevere regardless of the exhaustion or the trials or the things that you face, you have to press on towards the goal. And he says the same is true in our spiritual life. That if we are going to, to know Christ, if we're gonna experience this relationship, if we're gonna get to where we want to be, then we have to forget what is behind us. And we have to strain, we have to press on towards what is ahead. What is Paul trying to forget? What is Paul trying to leave behind? He's trying to forget his old life his life that he lived before he met Jesus, his old habits, his old desires, 
his old attitudes. He says, these don't have a place in my life anymore. I don't wanna continue to carry these around. They're they're slowing me down. I don't wanna bring these into my new life as I follow Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if anyone knows Christ, if anyone has experienced this relationship, he says the new creation has come. He says the old is gone. It's forgotten. It's left behind. He says the new is here. So if we are going to know Christ, if we are going to to run this race to win the prize, then we have to forget what is behind us. We have to leave behind the things that, that slow us down and hinder us. We have to forget about those things that distract us and keep us from running our race well. So maybe today, maybe there's something that you need to leave behind in 2020. Something that you need to forget. Maybe for you, it's an an unhealthy habit. Something that you escape to when you're stressed or overwhelmed. Or maybe it's just something that eats up a lot of your time. It's become kind of addictive. It might not even be sinful or bad. It could be Netflix. It could be social media. It could be checking your your, your phone constantly, but it eats up a lot of your time and all it's doing is distracting you. It's slowing you down. It's hindering you from running this race well, from coming to, to know Christ, from experiencing that relationship, from getting to where you need to be. And you need to, to leave that behind. You need to maybe put some, some boundaries in place to limit it. You need to begin to, to pay attention to this thing that, that's distracting you. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a spirit of unforgiveness. Somebody's hurt you somebody's wronged you and you've been carrying around the the weight of that that hurt for a long time and there's a a spirit of unforgiveness a a spirit of maybe even bitterness in your heart and look i'm not encouraging you to to forget what what happened but maybe you do need to leave behind that bitterness leave behind that unforgiveness because it's hindering you from running your race well. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a hidden sin. Something that you've been struggling with and, and wrestling with for, for maybe months, maybe even years, and nobody knows about it. You've done a great job concealing it and covering it up, and you feel like this is just my thing, nobody knows about it. But you know you can't run your race with this thing going on, with this thing hidden. And maybe before this year's over, you need to bring that to the light and you need to to expose it and you need to share with somebody. You need to open up about what's going on in your life. Maybe for you, it's just a a negative and, and critical attitude. Like regardless of where you are or what situation you're in or who you're around, you're just looking at the, the, the worst, you're, you're pointing things out, you're putting people down. It's just a, a negative, critical attitude. And you need to leave that behind because it's hindering you. It's slowing you down from running your race. What do you need to forget? What do you need to leave behind so you can run your race well? But Paul says, it's not just enough for us to forget what is behind. 
we have to strain towards what is ahead. We have to be focused on the goal. We have to be focused on the finish line. And notice, he doesn't say that we're casually walking towards the goal or that we're taking a a stroll towards the goal. He says we are straining towards the goal. We are pressing on. What does it mean to, to strain? To strain means to exert to capacity, to pull forcibly, to stretch to the utmost tension. Paul knew that if he was going to reach his goal, it was going to require incredible endurance and discipline. It would require undivided attention. It wasn't gonna be easy. It wasn't gonna be pain-free. It would require all that he had to run this race well, to run to the finish line, to run to win the prize. But here's what I love. This was not a race that God was calling Paul to run all by himself. Like he's not out there in the desert all alone, striving and straining and putting in all this effort by himself. No, Paul is running this race alongside other believers. Like he's writing this letter to a group of Christians living in Philippi saying, I want you to join me in this race. I want us to run together. We're all running towards the same goal. We're all running towards the same finish line. Run this race with me. He was running alongside other believers. But even more importantly, Paul was running this race with the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, with God living inside him, growing him, strengthening him, encouraging him, transforming him. He wasn't running this race on his own power. He was running this race with supernatural power, the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. Listen, as you run your race, as you are pressing on towards the goal, know that you aren't running this race by yourself. That it's not all about just your effort and your ability and your strength. You are running this race with other believers. You are running this race with your church family. You're running this race with the the capital C church believers all around the world. And we're all running towards the same finish line. We're all striving after the same goal. We aren't running this race alone. And each of us, if we are in Christ, if we've placed our faith in Jesus, we are running this race with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. With his power guiding us and equipping us and transforming us. So as we wrap up this year, as we head into this new year, I want to encourage you to have a plan for your spiritual life. Don't just drift through 2021 unintentionally without any direction. Have a plan to grow. Have a plan to to make progress. Have a plan to, to mature your faith. And bring other people along into the plan with you. Maybe this is something that you do as a family. Like you and and, and your family over the next few days before the new year starts, you sit down together and you talk about what what do you want your, your faith, what do you want your relationship with Jesus to look like at the end of 2021, a year from now? Like what, what are some goals you have for your faith? What do you want your relationship with Jesus to look like? Here, here's where we're going, here's what we're aiming for. And then maybe you spend a few minutes just talking about, man, this this is where I'm struggling. 
this is where I'm falling short. This is where I know I need to, to grow and, and make progress. And then come up with a plan as a family. Okay, how are we gonna reach that goal? Maybe it's a, a Bible reading plan. Maybe it's a, a, a mission project you do together. Maybe it's serving people in your, your, your neighborhood. Maybe it's sharing your faith with somebody. But figure out as a family, like where do we wanna be? How are we going to get there? Maybe this is something you do with, with people in your life group. Like a, a group of you, a, a few couples or a few individuals, you get together and you, you talk about this. Maybe this is something you do with your friends. You have friends that serve as accountability partners. They encourage you. And you say, hey, we're gonna meet once, once a month. And we know our goals. We know where we're, we're, what we're aiming for. And we're gonna once a month sit down and talk through, are we making progress? What are we struggling with? We're gonna encourage each other. We're gonna hold each other accountable. Bring other people along with you in this journey. And my prayer for, for each of you is that in this coming year, you would experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. One that isn't simply based on, on knowing more things about him, one that is centered around knowing Jesus in a real and personal way.